0: Yo! Hi! So this week we've been over to the northeast again. We've tried another Weather Spoons this time in Gateshead. We met up with Richie, which was cool, and uh, we had a nice time. I just accidentally punched myself in the throat. Oh, dear me. So yes, this week we've been travelling again, enjoying the summer holidays. Most of our time seems to be spent over the northeast. Mm. Uh, we went to Beamish. We'll talk about that in our live show. But um, yeah, this week we've got Alex Manners, who is 21 years old. We met him at the autism show in June, and he oh. really took our eye because he was wearing an orange suit. Uh, which he didn't take my eyes, you there. weren't there, but he yeah. had an orange suit on which was Chewy Gem Colours and we thought he'd be a great person to get on the podcast, so I'm really excited to have a listen to that now because Jenny has already interviewed him, um, should we have a listen? Uh, yeah, see sorry you. I'm very tired, see you guys later, hope you enjoy it, bye We love a net and we love a jet, we love to help and that's a flat So we have made it our mission to find stuff out from diagnosis and education it out of your frustration chat to folks who have been there too collect it together and share it with you if you know someone we should speak to send them our way and that's what we'll do we like to have our Sensory Matters you know what Sensory
1: Matters! Hi everyone, it's Jenny here again with another Sensory Matters show and today we're chatting to Alex Manners Hi Alex! Hello, are you okay? Yeah, really good, thank you. Now, Alex and I met last weekend, um, which by the time this goes out will be months ago, but it was last weekend at the Birmingham Autism Show, and he immediately caught my eye because of his bright orange suit that he was wearing, which is two Gem Colours, um, and so we got chatting over that, and Alex was doing a talk there, weren't you? Yes, I was doing a talk about my life
2: living with Asperger's at the show at the NEC. And did you enjoy that? I absolutely love doing it. I mean... I did, a sh- I did a talk at the London show the week before yeah. and I was visiting the Birmingham show because I only live a few miles away and I wasn't actually going to be doing a talk there but um, at the last minute they had someone who couldn't do their talk so they asked me to step in which I was absolutely delighted and more than happy to do um, and I absolutely loved uh, doing my talk.
1: Brilliant. And so you, you've been on TV and all sorts haven't you so tell us tell us like, who is Alex Manners?
2: Well I'm 21. And I was diagnosed with Asperger's when I was nine years old. And from that moment forward, I've always looked upon it as a positive. And when I got to about, I think I was in sixth form,
1: Yeah.
2: I developed a love for like television and presenting. And my ambition is to become a TV presenter. So as well as, um, I've got my own radio sh- children's radio show that I present every week, uh, every Sunday on Solihull Radio. As well as doing that, Um, I also feel lucky to have Asperger's in the sense that I can communicate quite well about my Asperger's, Uh and I want to use that as a positive to help other people. So I've been interviewed a number of times on the television, so on places such as Big Centre Television, which is now made in Birmingham, and ITV Central. I've also had uh, a lot of interviews on the radio, so BBC Coventry in Warwickshire, BBC WM, Heart FM. And as well, I've written loads of articles for different places. So in my local newspaper, I've written quite a few articles on my Asperger's for the Solihull Observer. And also for different magazines, such as the Autism Parenting Magazine, uh, for Autism West Midlands, different places like that. Um, The SEN Magazine as well. And as well as doing talks on my autism, I've also started a football and autism campaign. So I've travelled to different football clubs to see sort of what facilities they've got in place. I've written a few articles on it and I've even now I'm in talks with a production company about producing a documentary wow. on my autism and football campaign and what it's like for autistic people um, when they go to football matches. Uh,
1: oh, wow that's that's amazing for someone that's only 21 that's incredible um yeah so I, I love the fact that you view it as a positive so if we'll, we'll we'll come back and talk more about your shows and things but let's start at the very beginning age nine what was it that that led to a diagnosis? What was going on?
2: Well the first thing that my sort of parents uh, knew about autism was uh, we went to America to visit some of our family friends and their son had uh, autism and um, the dad of the son who had autism, my friend, he said look I think Alex might have Asperger's basically and he gave my grandma a book and then my mum and dad went and read it and then basically that sort of started the process of trying to get me or to see if I was di- could get diagnosed with autism. See if I had autism.
1: Yeah.
2: And the moment I got diagnosed with Asperger's was I was at school. I was nine years old, and I was at my primary school. And I was in a meeting with the my mum and my dad and the school senko. And the senko basically said, as clearly as or as bluntly as Alex, do you realise you have Asperger's? And my mum and dad were quite and me were quite shocked because we didn't know we were going to be told in that way. Yeah. And but as soon as soon as I got told, I thought well what is Asperger's, I didn't really have, I was a bit sort of, um, didn't really didn't really understand what it was, and as soon as the meeting finished, my dad said to me, look Alex, uh, Asperger's is a good thing to have, it's not a bad thing, a lot of our family have Asperger's traits because it can be passed on through families, and basically he told me just to look upon it as a positive, so from him telling me that, from that moment forward, I've always looked upon it as a positive. Yeah, And there have been a lot of struggles. I'm not saying there haven't, because no. there's been a lot of struggles and stresses, especially throughout my time at school. But there are also a number of positives that... And to be honest, I wouldn't be who I was today if I didn't have Asperger's.
1: No, and you wouldn't be doing all the amazing things you're doing. No. So you put your, your positive outlook on having Asperger's down to the way your family responded to it, really. Yes. Um, Which is, which is great. And so what was it that your uncle saw in you that made him think that? Um...
2: I think, to be honest, I haven't really spoken a lot to my parents about it, but the only thing I know is that he gave my grandma, his son had autism um, and Asperger's, and he gave my grandma, he had a book on Asperger's, so he gave my grandma this book, Hi. and she gave it to my parents who went away and read it, and I just think it was some of the things he saw how easily I used to get stressed mm-hmm. and sort of agitated over certain things, so certain noises. And the feeling of certain objects, like for instance, labels in the back of my shirt, I've always taken those out, for instance, because I can't stand the feel of them. Yeah. So just little things like that. And he thought, well, you know, he might not have Asperger's, but you know, it's worth it's worth checking out because he's got a lot of the same traits yeah. um, that my son has.
1: So when when do you remember at school feeling different to uh, everyone else?
2: Um, well, I personally think that I didn't get on um, with school at all. I absolutely hated school, and every, especially in primary school, every morning my mum was like almost dragging me into school, and I was, just to get me into school was like a massive, massive thing, and I, I used to get so upset, and just certain things at school used to really stress me out, and I think from about the ages of, well, year five, so when I, about when I was diagnosed, um, I didn't necessarily feel different, but I knew that I struggled a lot more than what most people did at school, most people of my age.
1: Yeah. So once you got that diagnosis, did things improve? Did it get easier? Did you get support?
2: First off, no, I didn't, because the teachers, they didn't have a clue or understand Asperger's at all. And to be honest, they didn't want to treat me any differently to anyone else. They were saying things like, oh, well, don't worry, we won't treat him any differently. You know, there's not one rule for him and one rule for everyone else. You know, there's one set of rules and everyone has to go by them. Um, and because the teachers weren't really taking any notice of my Asperger's, um, a lady from the council came in to talk to teachers about, look, Alex has Asperger's, you need to treat. You need to start treating him differently. And from that moment forward, things did start to change. So, for instance, uh, every morning when I went to school, there was a lady who I could go and speak to, and she always used to meet me outside my class for five or ten minutes to have a chat over the day and what I was stressed about. And also I had timeouts, so I think it was three times during the the week or the day I was able to go five minutes and have a timeout, read my football programme, and just basically have time for myself where I could just Mm de-stress. So certain things did change, Um, they did. Um, So I think definitely when the lady came in from the council, That that was a big turning point.
1: So what, in terms of terminology, you refer to yourself as having Asperger's and in recent times that um, has been, it's no longer
2: diagnosed, is it? Yes. Um, So where do you sit with all of that? What's your view on that? I mean, I was diagnosed with Asperger's, so I still see myself as having Asperger's and obviously because autism and Asperger's is a lifelong thing. Mm. I mean, I had it right from when I was born and I'll have it right till, you know, my last days so I'll have it throughout my whole life, so I wouldn't really stop saying I've got Asperger's because I wouldn't, to be honest, I wouldn't really know what to say if I didn't say I had Asperger's, because autism is such a wide-ranging thing that to say I've got autism suggests I'm probably a lot, I have problems that are a lot worse than I actually probably do, um, because Asperger's, um, you know, we can, we are still able to communicate quite well and things like that, whereas a lot of people with autism um, have higher, you know, things like that. So
1: Yeah, they, they can have more challenging behaviours, maybe. More, that's Yeah, it, more challenging behaviours.
2: Yeah, OK. So it's,
1: it's going back to... So what do you think about them not diagnosing Asperger's anymore? Do you think that's positive, negative, or just totally irrelevant?
2: I mean, if that's what they want, if, if they think that's the best thing to do, because um, I'm not 100% sure, but they call it autism spectrum disorders now, I think. Yes, that's right. Or autism Um,
1: spectrum, can no, it's disorder, or is it condition? Autism
2: spectrum disorder, I think. Yeah. Which, to be honest, I think Asperger's is clearer because people, especially throughout my lifetime, people who I've spoken to, because I've had Asperger's and loads of my friends have got it, we understand it, and I I think trying to change it, because because autism is only sort of, in the last sort of 10 or 15 years, is something that people have been aware of, I think it's too soon, in my opinion, to actually change the terminology. Because okay. people might get confu- quite get confused. Yeah, that makes
1: sense. So do you see Asperger's as different to autism? Or do you still see it kind of wrapped up in that mix?
2: Yeah, I mean, Asper- I always say that Asperger's is a form of autism. So whenever I'm telling people, oh, I've got Asperger's, yeah. they say, well, what's that? And I'll say, well, Asperger's is a form of autism. And then they understand. Yeah. Um, so there's like, obviously, autism is a spectrum. So there's loads of different um, conditions within the autism spectrum. Yeah. Um, Asperger's is is just one type uh, of autism, okay. and say I've got all and you know all these different types of autism. People have different traits and different things they find stressful and different ch- struggles and challenges. Yeah. So I think um, Asperger's is just one sort of group or one yeah. sort of subtype of autism.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So then, obviously, you went to secondary school, I presume. Yes.
2: Mainstream secondary school. Um, Well, I was fortunate that because I was diagnosed when I was in primary school, I went to a secondary school, um, a private secondary school that had a lot of help for people with autism and Asperger's. So, for instance, my first three years at that school, we only had, I think, nine people per class. Oh, brilliant. Um, We had two or three teachers per lesson. Yeah, Uh, there were a lot of learning support teachers that really understood the condition and there were uh, things in place like there was a lunchtime club that we could go to if we didn't want to go out into the main bulk. Of the playground outside um, so that was brilliant and I always use sort of the the well I, when I was in primary school I had another friend mm-hmm. who they thought or my parents thought had autism and Asperger's and he wasn't diagnosed till after he went to secondary school so he went to a normal secondary school a big school and his like whole year was the same size as my whole school and he didn't get on well at all okay. at his secondary school and because i was able to go to a smaller school that had a lot of things in place to help people with aspergers um it made a hell of a lot of difference so being diagnosed early was probably one of the best things that ever happened yeah absolutely
1: yeah i mean certainly from from everyone that i've spoken to it does seem the earlier diagnosis is is achieved the more positive the outcome for, yes. for people growing up, definitely. Um, okay, so you're out of school and you, you get an interest in media and all the rest of it. Um, so how did you end up getting a TV show and getting on the radio? How did you end up becoming so passionate about your own condition and able to combine those two things to do what you do now?
2: Well, I think it all stemmed from when I was in sixth form. Um, when I first started sixth form, I wanted to be a garden designer. Oh, And I used to do work at the, volunteering at the Birmingham Botanical Gardens. Right. And I used to love, I used to do gardening with all my grandparents and loads of people in my family. But then my dad, he booked me onto a TV presenter training course in Birmingham. Okay. And from that, from that day forward, uh, it wasn't garden designing I wanted to do, it was TV presenting. Uh, I, I created my own show reel there. And basically, they the the, posit- the the feedback I got from the, the session Um and the course was fantastic, and it was that that made me think, right, I want to be a TV presenter. And another thing that started me off was, um, because I'm absolutely, one of my uh, passions is football.
1: Yeah.
2: So, like, my whole life basically revolves around football. My room is decked in every single team, football team you can think of. And I started to do YouTube videos. Okay. Um, when I used to go to different football grounds, I used to do around-the-ground videos. And I collect football shirts, so I started to do football shirt stories.
1: Yeah,
2: uh, And it sort of just built from there. Okay. And the first real um, chance I got to be on the television and to be in the spotlight was I applied for the Top Gear co-presenter's training, uh, co-presenter's job, Top Did Gear you? co-presenter's job in 2016. Wow. And basically, as soon as I recorded the video and put it online, I was interviewed on BBC WM. I was in my local newspaper. I was in the, in fact, I was even in the Times newspaper. Wow. Um, I was like, They had an article in the Times newspaper about these auditions. Thousands and thousands of people auditioned. And I was like the big main photo in the middle of the Times. Um, And so that was was sort of my biggest break.
1: Yeah. So what is it that made you stand out versus all those thousands of other videos?
2: Well, part of my autism is I love wearing colourful clothes. So if I'm in colourful clothes, I can express myself and I can do anything. I can conquer anything. Whereas if I'm in dull clothes, I can like black and grey. I can get quite depressed. And... In my audition, I was wearing a bright green blazer and um, I think I was wearing yellow chinos yeah. and bright orange glasses, and it was just basically the fact of how colourful I was and how ener- I think how energetic I was and um, what I- basically I think the video just captured people's uh, attention really.
1: Yeah. Wow. Okay. And then tell me about the the Rainbow Man. How did that
2: come about? So uh, at the moment, um, I read my Rainbow Man. I create a different Rainbow Man story every week and i read it out on my children's radio show that yeah. I present on Solihull Radio on Sunday mornings from uh, 8 till 10 a.m. But it all started when I was in sixth form, and I used to come in in multicoloured golf outfits and suits and shirts. And a lot of the younger children in the school, so I think year sevens and year eights, they all used to call me Rainbow Man. They're like, oh, I'd come past this dinner hall and they'd, all the year sevens would be queuing up outside. And there will be like 10 or 20 of them we'd be like, oh, Rainbow Man, hello, Rainbow Man. And I thought, well... If people of year seven's ages, like I think they're 11, um, are so into this Rainbow Man idea, why not create it as a show? So I started creating it as a show, and I, I sent it off to the um, CBB's development team, mm-hmm. and they reviewed my show in one of their uh, commissioning commissioning meetings. Uh, I think that was about a year and a half ago now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'd created loads of different documents for it, so like presentation, a script, a video, all this kind of... i created my own characters. And then I sort of, I still, I still had the idea and all the documents on my computer, but I sort of left it for a few months. And then when I got my children's show on the radio, I thought, well, this is a great, great opportunity to bring Rainbow Man back. And I started to create shorter episodes where Rainbow Man and his friends would visit different local attractions and explore what they have to offer. And a few weeks, about two weeks ago, I introduced a new character into my shows called Awesome Alex, who is based upon myself and has Asperger's. And throughout... Each, each week, each different episode of the the or story that I create and read on my program, Awesome Alex shows another al- element or aspect of his Asperger's, okay. which is based the character Awesome Alex is based upon myself. So hopefully, as well as you know, highlighting all the wonderful attractions that there are within Birmingham and my local area yeah. that children can go and actually visit and 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 go to, also hopefully it will raise understanding and awareness for. Well, Asperger's as well.
1: Okay. So in terms of the, the reveal of those different aspects of your Asperger's, what sort of things? What, do, what, what are the different elements of your Asperger's?
2: So certain things for me, are I take things literally. So for instance, when my granddad's having a conversation, he might come out with some idioms or phrases. And sometimes I can take them literally. Um, also sensory issues. So labels in the back of my shirt. Yeah. I, all the labels in my shirt's practically a, a been taken out. Because I can't stand the feel of them. Also seams at the end of socks. Yeah. Really irritate me. Um, and things such as ticking radiators and ticking clocks.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, if, I'm try- if I'm trying to go to bed and there's a ticking radiator, I just can't can't get to sleep until that noise stops. Yeah. Um, things such as, obviously I've mentioned with um, my clothes. So if I'm wearing colourful clothes, I can express my, my personality, basically.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, so certain things like that, uh, traits of my Asperger's, but also positive traits such as I'm never nervous so when I'm doing my Asperger's talks about my life living with with Asperger's I can sort of stand up in front of you know a 100 people without any worries or or you know so I think that's a really really positive thing that's and also being able to communicate really well with other people because a lot of my friends with Asperger's they find it hard to communicate with others and hold down conversations yeah whereas I think that I'm really good at having conversations and I think that's a positive um, aspect of my my Asperger's really.
1: Yeah yeah because a common kind of myth around Asperger's is that it's the
2: social interaction that's a challenge. Yes. And that's certainly not your experience. No I mean sometimes when I meet new people unless I actually say to them by the way do you realise I have Asperger's they wouldn't they wouldn't have a clue and it's funny because i always say to, i always like to use the analogy of well um you can't tell i've got asperger's but like everyone with asperger's is different so they can't tell i've got asperger's but to be honest i couldn't tell that they don't have asperger's yeah um because everyone with asperger's is so different and like i said a lot of people have preconceived ideas that oh people with asperger's you know can't hold down conversations very easily or look you in the eye and things like that and because i i am very good at having conversations and can look people in the eye. People just, they don't even consider that I've even got Asperger's, unless, obviously, they, they know me well. Yeah. Do,
1: do you own any dark clothing?
2: I think I've got one black polo shirt and one black pair of trousers. Right. Uh, and I think I might have one or two black football shirts. Okay. But I i can't even tell you the last time I wore them.
1: Because when would you ever choose to wear them?
2: I think... I would I would only ever wear black trousers if I was doing something where I didn't mind them getting muddy, like if I was going on a muddy walk, yeah. or if I was doing gardening or something. Um, but obviously, because I'm mad on football, um, I collect football shirts, so sometimes I will. Someone will give me a black football shirt, or I'll buy one. Uh, not necessarily, necessarily to wear, just because I collect them. Yeah. Um, and and, for, and to be honest, football's been a, a huge help in terms of my Asperger's. In what way? Dealing with a lot of the stresses. Um. Well, when my uncle, he takes me to batches all over the country. So there's 92 professional clubs in the UK and we're trying to visit all of them. And throughout my time at school, especially, it gave me another another angle on life. So when I was stressed at school, um, I had something to look forward to. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had the matches I was going to that week. I had to look forward to. And also, I always carry a football program, a football brochure or program around with me. And especially at school, whenever I'm stressed, I can just get a football program out and even just reading that football programme for five or ten minutes takes all the stresses and struggles just completely out of my out of my mind.
1: Wow. So um, how many of the 92 have you visited
2: now? So of the 92, I've visited, I think, 83 of them. Oh my goodness, you're so close. So 83 for matches. So we're going to try and, me and my uncle are going to try and finish the last few off um, next season.
1: Right. So what's what's missing? What are the ones that you've
2: not been to yet? So I'm based in Solihull, uh, so sort of central England. So the ones for me that I'm missing are sort of the furthest away ones. So places such as Exeter, um, Morecambe, Grimsby, Scunthorpe, even places such as Oldham, you know, Millwall, Colchester. um, Do you include
1: um, Scotland in it? Is Scotland included in the 92? No,
2: um, the ninety-two are basically um, ninety-two clubs based in England or Wales. Right. Okay. Um, So Scotland have their own leagues. So I have visited one or two of the Scottish. Yeah. clubs. Um,
1: okay. So, um, so in, in, obviously the World Cup's on at the moment. What's yes. your
2: prediction? I think England will do quite well. I think they'll get to the last four. Do you? Because the next two groups, or the next two rounds of matches, I think they've got to play Colombia next, and then it's one of between Switzerland and Sweden after that, so I think they've got quite, not an easy ride, but an easier ride than they could have got with with other teams that are still in in the tournament, so I think we will do probably better than expect than yeah. most people expected.
1: Yeah, this will be weird because this will come out probably September ish, so the World Cup will be well and truly over. But I, the the England game was last night, and I was watching it. And if they'd yeah. won that, they'd have had a bit of a harder route, wouldn't they?
2: Yeah, they'd. Have, I think they'd have faced Japan, and then they they might have faced Brazil after that. So, um, but I'm always one for you've always got to go out and win.
1: So are you, absolutely, so are you wanting, obviously you support England, that's who you want to win? Yes. Yeah, okay. Definitely, definitely. Um,
2: I'll, I'll watch every England match, regardless of whether it's the World Cup or a friendly. Right,
1: okay. And do you think that, um, yeah, you'll, they'll make the last four, but do you think they'll win it? And if not, who do you think will win
2: it? Personally, I think this, personally my strong favourites to win it would be Portugal. Okay. Uh, just because of the amount of goals they've scored, and also because of, well, you can't look past Ronaldo yeah um but i think if england i you know i I would actually think that england and portugal could be the final Mm, personally that would be exciting if they Um, don't meet each other before then i'm hoping for
1: croatia just because i'm going on holiday there and i'm there when it's the world cup final and i thought that'd be pretty amazing if it was croatia yeah that would be yeah um okay so the the other thing with with the way you dress which I just think is wonderful and I'm quite envious envious of it because I think our society kind of I don't know it makes you almost want to fit in to be to dress like everybody else and be a bit of a sheep and you clearly don't do that and your dress sense is bold um so how how do you what is it that allows you to do that
2: without fear of anyone you know being weird about it well i think i mean from a very young age i've I've, one of my granddads he's always loved wearing like suits and shirts and he's always worn like bright red blazers bright shirts ties um and i think from his influence i've always liked colorful clothes yeah and i just don't let it i don't let what other people think worry me so if i like wearing them then to me that's all that matters yeah and like, for instance, when I go to my local train station in the morning when everyone's going to work, all the men are wearing like either black, grey, or dark blue suits. Yeah. And I'm standing there wearing like a bright orange suit or a bright red suit. And it's people will look at me and think, oh, they might be thinking, oh, he's that, that, that suit's really weird. Why would he want to wear that? But then I always think, well, how can a colour be like weird or not weird? And I think it's just colours make me happy. And even like, for instance, one of my other grandad, he always used to wear... He used to be the opposite of my other granddad's. I and mean, my one granddad always used to wear, like, colourful blazers and things and shirts. Yeah. And my other granddad would always wear black. Mm-hmm. And now, because of the way I dress, um, he's now bought himself... I think he's got three pairs of pink trousers. Brilliant. And he wears them all the time. And he's even told me that he does feel happier wearing, like, you know, the pink trousers and the colourful shirts.
1: Yeah.
2: Whereas before, he always used to wear black. Um, so I think it j- does make people feel happy, happier wearing colourful clothes. Yeah. Um, and so. So do you think your, your lack of
1: being bothered by people maybe having a look because it's unusual to see someone dress so brightly, um, is a result of your Asperger's or do you think that it's separate and it's just your personality?
2: Well, I think it's, it can be looked to as it in, in both angles. So I think, yes, it's definitely a part of my personality, but I do think my Asperger's has had a part to play in it because like I said, if I didn't have Asperger's, I probably wouldn't. I wouldn't be the same person I am now. I'm, I might not be as interested in football. You know, I might not be as good at commu- communicating with people. So I definitely think, to some degree, my Asperger's has allowed me. Um, you know, the
1: freedom. Give me, give
2: me my personality that allows me, and you know, that says to me, "Look, you want to wear? I want to wear colourful clothes." Yeah. Uh, and especially in the line of work I want to go into, so TV presenting. Yeah. Um, it definitely makes me stand out, and I think, especially at the autism show, yes. I had a lot more people speaking to me because of what I was wearing than Absolutely. probably if I just wore a black suit.
1: Yeah, whereas a lot of people don't want people to talk to them, you know. That's that's the other thing, isn't it? They, but but you you attract attention.
2: Yeah, well, that I, opens I like doors. Speaking. I like speaking to people, and you know, I always think of it: the more people you know, the more the more chance, the more opportunity you've gotten, and um, yeah, so definitely. Um, so, in terms
1: of the the dream presenter job, whose whose job do you want?
2: So, there's a few people who I'd absolutely whose job I'd absolutely love. One of my um, passions is children's television, mm-hmm. um, hence why I've got my own children's radio show. So, I'd absolutely love to be a presenter on something like CBBS. Yeah. Um Also, uh, a job like uh, possibly uh, if you know Fiona Bruce. Yeah. Because the Antiques Roadshow in the news. Yeah. I'd love a job like that maybe presenting uh, um, a television show or documentaries because um, I think she does a few documentaries as well yeah so maybe even if I did a, a documentary oh you know I was a presenter doing documentaries on different different topics uh, and also because I'm mad on football maybe even like um, doing my own documentary on football
1: yeah
2: uh, so a football presenter because I've had experience of doing a lot of um, Videoing and interviewing different football managers and stuff like that, so videoing football matches. So, any job within sort of children's television, documentaries, um, or football would be amazing. Yeah, fantastic.
1: Really good. Um, so, let's now talk about the Autism Show and the presentation you did and give us yep. a kind of flavour and overview of the sort of message that you feel it's your mission to get out to the world.
2: So, in terms of my talk at the Autism Show, It was about my life living with Asperger's, so it covered a range of topics. I think the main message from my talk was that everyone with Asperger's is different. So once you've met, I know it's an old saying, but once you've met one person with Asperger's or autism, you've met one person with autism. And I think that's what I'm trying to get across. And throughout my talk, I spoke about lots of different things, so different elements of my time, different stories from my time at school. I talked about some of the things that not just I struggle with, but people in general with Asperger's struggle with. So for me, it was, I was talking about, you know, sensory issues. So labels and shirts, ticking radiators. I spoke about my family Mm -hmm. and how much, I mean, because I've got quite a large family, how much that has benefited me. I spoke about my love of football and how that's really helped me with my Asperger's and also my children's um, television, uh, love of children's television and how when I'm having meltdowns that can be a real help in calming me down watching a children's show as well as I spoke about things such as uh communication um and things such as um stuff like that and just about when you know how I found out I was diagnosed with Asperger's you know what happened immediately when I was diagnosed and just a whole range of sort of stories and anecdotes from you know my life living with Asperger's so my life
1: Give, give me your favourite story or anecdote from your life living with Asperger's.
2: I think my fav- one of my favourite stories is um, I did some work experience down at BT Sport. And I, w- I was doing it with another girl who I'd never met before. So the first time I'd met her was, you know, the first day when we were there. I think we were there for four or five days. Yeah. And I was just chatting to her and it was about the third day. And she didn't have a clue. I had Asperger's or autism. So I said, "Oh, I have I have Asperger's. I, ju- I just thought I'd let you know I have Asperger's, in case she didn't know." And she was like, "Really? I would never have known. That's really fascinating." And she said, "So what are some of your, you know, what are some of the traits that you have due to your Asperger's?" So I was telling her, and I, I got onto the topic of because of my love of football, I can name all the nine all the so in the top five tiers of English football, I can name all the different grounds,
1: mm-hmm.
2: ground names and capacities. She was like, no, that's absolutely amazing. And she said, you know what, I'm going to quiz you on those. So she started, she pulled up a list on Wikipedia of all the grounds, started quizzing me on all these 100 grounds. And like, I didn't get one wrong. And she was like, oh my God, she was like gobsmacked. It was like, it was like, wow, that's absolutely amazing. She couldn't believe that one, I'd even got Asperger's and two, that I could actually do, do name all the football grounds.
1: Yeah. I just love how you see it as such a positive. I think that's, 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 that's great. Um, And you've got enormous confidence with it, which I think is fantastic. If you were going to try and say to someone a step to feeling confident and happy with yourself, what what would your advice be to help people accept what they've got and use it in a positive way?
2: I think, yes, there are going to be struggles um, with having Asperger's nautism. But it's something you've got for life and you're not going to ever be able to get rid of it. I would never even want to get rid of it even if I could. So look upon it as positive. Focus on the one or two or three or four. How many of the things that are positive of your Asperger's? So for me, it's things like being able to communicate well, be able to not be nervous, be able to speak in public, my love of football, um, my drive to be successful in my career. I'll never give up trying to be a TV presenter. So it's those things. And everyone with autism and Asperger's will have a few things that are positive, that are positive things that have come out of their Asperger's. So you know, look upon it as a positive and don't hide behind, you know, your stresses and your struggles.
1: Yeah. So rather than focusing on all the challenging aspects, find the positives, and fa- and find, find the strengths. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And find ways like throughout my, my life, especially I found ways to uh, minimise the stresses and the struggles or, you know, when I'm having a meltdown before I just have a complete meltdown, whereas now I can sense one coming. So I know what to do and I know how to prevent one happening by doing certain things. Yeah. So just find ways of sort of, you know, being able to find ways that will, you know, stop you becoming so stressed or having a meltdown or things, things like that. So that,
1: that was going to be my next question is that, you know, you've mentioned the things that you find challenging are the, the, the labels of clothing, um, and what else did you say were your other stresses? I communi-
2: I think, um, school, there are a lot of stresses, um, due to, I think change it, ch- things like changes and certain communications, yeah. uh, having meltdowns. So another thing for me, I probably haven't said, um, but um, sometimes I can have meltdowns.
1: Yeah.
2: And a lot of the time they're caused over messy environments. Okay. Because if I'm in a messy environment, it feels like the mess is creeping up on me yeah. to the point where I feel completely trapped. Yeah. And one little thing can just make me lose all sense of where I am and with stress and worry. Okay. Um, and that is one thing that really still gets me stressed now and especially when I was younger used to get me stressed quite a lot the time
1: yeah yeah so what what are your strategies obviously with the clothing you've, you've got a strategy for that yes. which is you you cut out the labels you probably do Do you feel the stuff before you buy it make sure it's do you have to? Um, does it have to be a certain material
2: not sort of a certain material I just always notice when I'm buying an item of clothing I notice like what what type of label they've got in the shirt and then I immediately think okay well Mum, would you be able to take that out for me or, or my grandma can take that out for me once i bought it?
1: Yeah. Um, You've got a strategy for that. The other one you mentioned was noises, ticking radiators, yes. ticking clocks. So what what is your strategy for dealing with those things? To be honest,
2: um, well, I used to have um, a big clock in my room and as soon as I, I bought it, the batteries came straight out. And I don't think I ever actually put the batteries back in because it was such a pain. Uh, but with radiators... Um, to be honest, I'll usually just go and turn the heating down.
1: Mm-hmm. I
2: know what I know, which level the heating needs to be on for the radiators to stop ticking yeah. or to calm the ticking right down. Um, yeah. And my parents don't really like me doing that so often, but what, I stay at my grandparents quite a lot, and they don't have a problem with me doing that. So okay. um, it's quite good if I'm at my grandparents doing that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And then in terms of um, you, you, you say you have meltdowns, this kind of messy thing can aggravate you and, and cause it. Um, what's your strategy for that? You said that you can you you can see them coming, yes. so you're able to diffuse it.
2: How does that work? So, uh when I was younger, I couldn't tell when I was gonna have a meltdown. I would just literally something would happen. I'd be in a messy environment like the kitchen or you know, I might drop something on the floor or something someone might say something and then I'd just have a complete meltdown and for me meltdowns result in me running to it just running to a quiet place as quickly as I can and just crying basically. And one of the strategies I've um, developed is putting a, a children's television show on. Yeah. So when I was younger, my mum used to have to put the children's show on, and I was all I'd always be trying to stop her from putting the TV on. Yeah. But as soon as that children's television show comes on, whatever it might be, whatever CBB show it might be or CBBC, I'm instantly like transfixed on the television, and almost within an instant, I can be super stressed. The one second and the next second when the like something like noddy comes on the television i'm i'm completely relaxed almost
1: yeah
2: um and like i said now i can um see when one is coming and if i think all right i'm getting a bit nervous here i think i might have a meltdown i'll go straight upstairs to my room and put a a children's show on
1: yeah and does it does it ever happen out in public do you ever like if you're in i don't know a a mcdonald's and people have left their litter on the table or does that sort of thing have the same effect or does it tend to only be in the home
2: um normally it's only in the home but when i was for instance when i was at school um i mean when i'm out and about anyway i always carry a football program
1: yeah so
2: if i do feel stressed or like i might be having a meltdown over a certain thing i can always get my football program out and read it and that's like the out of house strategy yeah
1: um
2: and when i was at school um because a number of things, a number of small incidents that will happen over a day or over a week can start to mount up. And then, like, when I'm at home, for instance, that one little thing, it might only be, like, dropping something on the floor. But I can get really stressed over that one thing. And my mum and dad will be thinking, well, all it was was you... It was only a tiny little thing. How can you get so stressed over that tiny thing? Yeah. But it'll be a series of events that have happened over the day. And it's like that one little piece of string inside me has snapped.
1: Yeah.
2: So when I was at school... um. I knew that when I was feeling stressed, um, at break time or lunch time, I could always phone my dad. So yeah. he, my dad was always available for me to call. Yeah. Um, and it felt like I was communicating, because at school it felt like, I, school felt like prison to me.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So when I was speaking to my dad on the phone, it you know, only stopped me being stressed, but it basically um, felt like I was communicating with the outside world. Yeah. Um, so that, that was another strategy I had.
1: Okay, brilliant. Really good. Um, OK, so anything before we finish up that you, you your, your final message to the world or anything that you we've not covered that you think is important for our listeners
2: to hear? Um, I mean, as well as I think everyone should, you know, be positive about their Asperger's because, you know, even some of my friends, like I'm, I'm mad on football, but even some of my friends who are mad on things or have subjects that they're interested in, like one of my friends is interested in bins, one of my friends in trains. I know a guy who's really interested in spades. Whatever it might be,
1: mm.
2: that can be a th- the one thing that you can focus on to take the stresses away from your Asperger's yeah. or your autism. Um, and I think another thing is um, that, you know, me personally, I'm doing a lot of things to help and raise awareness for Asperger's. So I've. you don't mind me reading out my website? No, not at all. Yeah. So, I've got a website called www.thealexmanners.com, and all the articles that I write and videos that I produce, um, and all the work I do towards my autism and football campaign, and all the photos from my Asperger's talks, I put on there. Um, So, if anyone wants to go and, you know, uh, read one of my articles or one of my videos, um, then they can head there. And I've also got a YouTube channel called The Alex Manners. Right. So, um, on YouTube, it's called The Alex Manners, and all my asperger's videos that i've done um so my one minute guide to asperger's which i've produced or all the interviews i've had on the radio or the television to do with my aspergers i put on there
1: brilliant okay and a facebook
2: page too or yes i've got a facebook i've got facebook twitter linkedin and youtube so it's uh twitter it's the alex the alex manners all one word and facebook it's alex manners
1: great okay well that's been brilliant thank you very much alex Really lovely to chat to you, and I look forward to seeing you taking up a big position on the TV soon.
2: Yes, no, no, that I really enjoyed it, and I hope I can uh, achieve my ambitions. Yeah, I'm sure you will. Thank you.
0: Well, that was Alex. What did you think of Alex? Pretty good. Yeah, he was cool. Um, 21 years old, he's got his own radio show. He writes, he writes. writing is fun. Um, um, he wears his own style of clothes, which I can appreciate. Yeah, colourful clothes, and he yeah. likes his colourful clothes. Well, I'm, I'm I'm currently wearing black, so we um, yeah, have pretty different styles. But but you do like to wear your own yeah, kind of style, like Sonic cheeks. Was, was it Friday? You were dressed complete, head to toe in Sonic, including the slippers. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the fact that he's really involved with going around football clubs and trying to see how um, autism friendly they are. I hope that the documentary goes ahead because I'd really really like to watch that. That would be very It would be interesting. awesome, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um I also want to know which football shirts he's missing out of his collection. be really interesting to see how many he's actually collected in his lifetime. I can I can I can try and buy some if he doesn't have them. we maybe we'll have to contact him. Alex we would love to know which shirts you're missing, not that we have any, but I just I'm quite interested in that I question. I have money. I can buy them for you. I think it I think it'll be fine, but it'd be nice to know. Also, be nice to know which team he supports because i don't think he mentioned it i'm presuming because he's from birmingham it's going to be birmingham city or aston villa but who knows Mm. anyway we hope that you guys enjoyed it could be could could be some random team in i don't know germany for all we know could possibly be but yeah we hope that you all enjoyed alex's podcast this week and Yeah, join us again for another podcast next week. And if you're not a VIC, you really should be a VIC so that you can listen to the Excel versions of these podcasts. Uh, We'll see you again soon. Bye. Bye. You know what?